Welcome to episode number 425 of the Hunts Back Country podcast. Today's episode is definitely going to be very different than what we normally do. Back on episode 411, we had John Zombro from the Lifetime Athlete join us, and we talked about hunting with health for a lifetime. We covered topics of training and nutrition and just really self-care as you become a more aging hunter and how to, as the title implies, hunt with more health for a lifetime so that you can hopefully continue hunting and enjoying the backcountry for decades and decades. I know that that's what I want to do and that episode was helpful for me in that. After that show, I basically stayed in touch with John. He offered to help me a little bit prepare for my sheep hunt, specifically because I was having some issues with my knee. And I did some virtual consults with John, and we looked at some movement patterns and different movements and exercises and stretches that may help me with my knee. And I really became aware of how much John actually knows and how helpful he is at explaining things at an easy level. And truly feel that uh, working with John helped me have such a successful sheep hunt with minimal pain and maximum capability. So, one, I just want to thank John again publicly because I truly feel that what he helped me with made a big difference. But also in that time, since we recorded the first podcast with John, we joined him on his show. Steve and I did. And he threw out a proposal to us to talk a little bit about hunting partnerships, how to be a good hunting partner in the backcountry, how to find a hunting partner, you know, the different ways that uh, sharing experiences in the backcountry with someone can make things more meaningful and valuable and helpful. And so we talk a lot about those topics and really a lot more kind of on the, some of the deeper thoughts behind backcountry hunting and why it's so important to Steve and myself. So today we're sharing that conversation with you. Again, this is an interview where John interviewed Steve and myself for his show, but we're sharing that conversation with you on our show today. If you want to hear more conversations from John on his podcast, be sure to check that out. It's called The Lifetime Athlete, and I will leave a link in the show description for that. But right now, let's go ahead and dive into today's conversation. So hi guys and welcome to the show. Welcome back and thanks for joining us today. It's going to be a special episode for sure because I've got two incredible guests uh, with me today and we're we're going to be diving into a topic area that's not as common. It's a little bit less science and tech oriented. So often I'm talking about training and nutrition and some of those elements, but this time I want to get more into the lifestyle and talk about the human experience and relationships and how that probably intertwines or weaves into some of these other things, particularly in the outdoors, in the backcountry, in the hunting realm. And so I've got Steve Speck and Mark Helsing of Exo Mountain Gear here. And uh, guys, first of all, welcome and thanks for being on the show. And just go ahead and introduce yourselves any way that you'd like for the audience. It's all you, Steve. Mark. (laughs) (laughs) Ah, good good hunting partners. Unselfish. Yeah. Um, yeah. (laughs) Uh, Sure. Uh, My name is Steve Speck. I'm the uh, owner of Exo Mountain Gear. So we make... um, we make backpacks that are very specific for backcountry style hunting. Uh, we're coming up on the 10 year anniversary of the company, which is pretty cool. And um, yeah, I just, from a personal standpoint, I'm somebody who uh, 
absolutely just thrives, loves and thrives being out there, you know, in the mountains and remote areas, hunting, backpacking, fishing, just, just getting out there and experience, experiencing all that has to offer in, in many different ways. And backcountry hunting is kind of the, oh, I say pinnacle to me of, of what I can do back there. It's the, the ultimate challenge, um, you know, getting back there, getting to remote, tough to access areas, big country, uh, you know, finding an animal and then being able to, to harvest one, pack it home and, and have the meat. Uh, there's just so many benefits personally for me that I love, uh, love about that style of hunting. Amen. Yeah, for me, I, I grew up in the Midwest and hunted their whitetails and turkey and backpacked some, but it wasn't really till uh, shortly after college that I started going out West and combining really what I love to do in terms of hunting with the adventure of being in the mountains and hiking and backpacking and basically took all these things I was kind of doing separately and combined them into, oh, this this whole backpack hunting thing out in the mountains is like as you said, Steve, like the culmination of so much in terms of an outdoor pursuit and an experience. And uh, yeah, just fell in love with it. And um, that was very self-taught, right? Like I just decided, like, I'm just going from Missouri to Colorado. I don't know anybody. I kind of don't know anything. Um, I'm just going to figure out how to make this happen and started doing that and been doing that for uh, over a decade at this point. And more and more kind of really each year and different experiences and places and uh yeah just fell in love with it and then uh met steve along the way actually pre-exo and then uh i don't know i guess yeah over 10 plus years steve and i've been friends and i've worked with him and for him and uh yeah we're still friends slash he's my boss today (laughs) that sets a great stage for today's conversation and when I think of what the backstory is for this episode, by the way, this is number 315. We're going to be talking probably about a number of things, but hunting partners and adventures. Well, I was I had the opportunity, the privilege really, of being on the Hunt Back Country podcast, which is um, your guys' show from EXO. And we were talking about the, some of the usual things that, you know, the, again, that I'm talking about, training, nutrition, uh, performance, and, and celebrating um, – backcountry athletes, but specifically uh, the backcountry hunter as perhaps human history's original athlete. And and I think that really intertwines with what, you know, you guys said in your introductions there. And so my hope was uh, to kind of do something a little different with the show. And I remember when I was talking about uh, one of those topics on your guys' show, uh, we we briefly touched on yeah, solo trips and going out alone, and there, there's va- great value in that, and we've all done it and do it and probably will continue to. But also there's this, this deep, uh, rich experience as athletes being on a team or even you know, pulling back to what I said originally, as hunters hunting together and being collaborators and working together but being friends as well and and even family and a very human uh deep and rich experience and so i thought we'd discuss things like teamwork and some challenges and uh possibly even either things that uh tested or uh fortified friendships as it relates to some of your adventures and 
your success in the field. And uh, really what we're trying to do is have these fabulous experiences, again, like like you alluded to, Steve, and, and then create these lifelong memories. And so um, maybe the first thought that I might throw out to you guys is <clears> – <throat> Okay, let's just say that you're uh, hypothetically going to be choosing a hunting partner or being chosen as one. Uh, what are possibly a few of the characteristics or traits that uh, each of you think are essential in a hunting partner? Yeah, it, for me, I think one of the um, my head can go to a lot of places of like, obviously, for a show like yours, John, of similar physical capabilities, for example, and that is very true and very relevant um perhaps similar previous experience or skill set or things like that it's like all that i think can matter but for me fundamentally i i boil down to hey are we doing the same are we doing this for the same reasons meaning like some guys are out there purely for you know, success and, and whatever that means to them in terms of like maybe killing an animal or even an animal of a certain quality or what have you. Mm-hmm. Whereas I think one thing that I think Steve and I have, have shared a lot of adventures together and experiences together and work well together in terms of a hunting partnership is we're, we're there for the same reasons. And it's, it's not just about filling a tag. It's just about the whole experience as, you know, we kind of talked about in the introduction of like, let's get into some really cool country. Let's physically push ourselves. Let's, you know, get some ridges and um, just soak the whole thing in. And we even hunting style, right? Like not everyone wants to backpack hunt. Not everyone needs to backpack hunt. That's what we prefer to do. Um, So I just think if you're there with like similar goals, and again, I don't mean just by filling a tag, but with a similar mindset of what am I looking to get out of an experience of hunting? And you can find someone that wants that same experience. I think that helps you ride through when maybe hunting success isn't there or when conditions are tough or games not cooperating or what have you, um, because you're, you're just there for the same reasons and enjoying i think for us like the process and the experience from a a broader perspective so that's where my head goes first but obviously there's many things we could talk about Mm -hmm. yeah i don't i was trying to think how to answer this but i think the mark hits hits the nail on the head perfectly you need to first of all yeah find somebody with very common interests and i don't the you know you could be very experienced and they could be a newbie they just have to be willing to to learn and and just go with the flow, I guess having, you know, I don't, it's not, a, it's kind of a marriage back there. Uh, Cause there's certainly times when things get tough. So, you know, I try to live by the motto and my wife would probably disagree, but commu- over communicate <laughs> <laughs> um, like that, you know, ever before you, you know, if you're picking a new hunting partner, you know, just, just sit down. I trying to think last time I grabbed somebody, knew it was quite a quite a long time ago and i was like hey let's go have some beers you know and, then we, and uh, like this guy seems like we could backpack hunt well together and get after it. he backpack hunts i backpack hunt you know and both bow hunt and let's go sit down and have some beers and talk through this and, and mm-hmm. share some stories and is there some commonalities there and um i think that's a great place to start and then, you know then do baby steps into it don't be like i wouldn't plan a 10 day trip to Alaska with somebody that you never hunted with before. You know, we, we talk about that from just even going backpacking. If you're, you know, in Mark's situation, you know, 15 years ago, and you're going to go on your first trip, you know, go, 
go a mile from your house into the nearest national forest land or you know blm land you got state land and and just go in there for an evening and, and backpack and you know set up your tent sleep out there alone and see if you like it mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. so i think those would be good steps to take of just making sure you're on the same page and then in the you know long term you just need somebody who's really unselfish it's a it's a team effort out there and um i certainly you know be very picky because the, these are the you know if your goal um is these lifetime memories you know um, amazing experiences the people you're with can dramatically increase that experience or put a kind of negative stamp on it and uh so be be picky be choosy and you know find find the right people i've, I've been incredibly fortunate i've got four or five guys you know that at the drop of a hat i'd go hunting with and mark is certainly at the top of that list Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this isn't quite in line with what I was thinking about asking you guys, but it just came up as you were talking there, Steve. The There's something about the experience when the hunt is involved. And, and I guess what I'm trying to say is, okay, we you know, talk about oh, getting together with someone and experiencing front country or back country and, you know, hiking and camping and possibly doing some hard things. And, you know, all of these, those things have value, but then when we add this, well, we're out here to hunt. Um, it, it seems to have this heightening of the senses and really um, an increasing of various things uh, you know awareness of the environment and appreciation and and it and i think it resonates deep within our souls um i guess what i would say is do you guys experience that as well that like you you know other than just say going backpacking going backpack hunting it takes it to a whole nother level and then maybe try to describe that if you could you possibly better than i just did (laughs) (laughs) yeah absolutely one thing that you uh earlier talking another thing that popped in my mind is certainly a bond that gets created out there and one of the things we do every year is something called the death hike mm-hmm. and we just do every year i pick this very physical challenge you know whether it's um uh, some of the bigger ones we're like hey let's go see if we can hike 100 miles in three days you know through the central idaho mountains and um there's you know, the varying between, you know, 15 and 45 guys do that hike every year, just depending on schedules and who wants to do that year's particular challenge. But the, there's certainly just a bond that gets created when you kind of go through something, you know, frankly, that miserable when you go to these really low places of, you know, wanting to quit and, and fighting blisters and you're a lot of pain. And uh, we've, uh, we've all experienced it. And that, that group of guys that we have, uh, it's it's pretty cool. I cannot see one of the guys for you know two or three years, and it's like they're a brother. And I've only ever done one or two hikes with them. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. It's uh, there's just something I I'm not going to do a good job explaining it at all. But there's certainly something that gets formed and developed there that is just uh, you become like family, mm-hmm. and that's you know like I said the actual hunt itself is absolutely there when you if you go through these. Um, I think you <laughs> there. The, the fun hunts are easy and the, the tough hunts are where like memories are made. Um, and so especially if you go through some of these tough hunts, 
where things don't go your way, the animals aren't cooperating, the weather's not cooperating. Uh, when you both, you know, come out of that, if, you know, successful and, and however you measure that, mm-hmm. uh, there's something special about it. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And um, Mark, do you have any thoughts uh, on that topic? Yeah, I mean, I think uh, part of where my head was going when you were kind of giving us this this question was, you know, if you if you simply hike or backpack or get outside, right, you're typically a, a fairly like passive observer of of nature and what's happening around you, right? Like mm-hmm. you're you're covering ground potentially, let's say on a hike or even a backpack trip, and you're you're observing like what's around to a certain extent of like, oh, that's pretty, that's cool, this sunset, I saw this animal, what have you. But when as you said, like when a hunt's involved, it's just immediately a deeper experience because you're not just observing, but you're you're putting yourself into it and participating, right? So it's not just an observation of, oh, hey, th- here is this aspect of nature, but you are, are taking that to a deeper level and you're trying to see it, understand it, interpret it, and be a part of it, right? So mm-hmm. it doesn't just become about like a sunrise, it becomes about a sunrise that is also going to cast light in a certain way and have a certain type of wind that's going to relate to me and my pursuit of an animal. And basically everything's just turned up. Like your senses, your observation isn't just something you're passive about. It's something you're active with. It's something you're trying to interpret, participate with. So to me, yes, when you take like an outdoor pursuit, but then add a hunt, you're just, yeah, I, I don't know how to put it, but you're just becoming part of what's happening, not just an observer of what's happening around you, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, so I was actually searching for words as like, you guys were talking about that, and I was struggling as well because I think, yeah, it's, there's an intensification of the participation or the experience, and you know, you're thinking about um vegetation and you know what the season has been doing and water sources and wind and using your nose more and a lot of things that um it, it really seem like they just dial up and i know that like the hunters in our audience you know, automatically know but i think we did a the best job we could in you know sharing that um with uh, you know folks that that maybe don't have haven't had the opportunity to have those experiences uh so let's talk about you guys in uh, specifics here let's say you're out there i th- you may you've already touched on it but like what are the expectations that you have for each other uh like what are you counting on <clears throat> uh the other dude to to be or do yeah i, I want to start here because i like when Steve and I started hunting together, I was less experienced than he was. And so uh, on one hand, like when we started actually hunting together, I was just going into it with an open mind and trying to basically learn, gain any sort of like experience, knowledge that I could, which I think was a helpful mindset. But I will also like to brag on Steve, like he very much wanted to teach, right? He wanted me to have more experiences and more opportunities and things like that so i think it you know we haven't done everything perfect ever but i i will say that for me call it the less experienced hunter 
was going into it very much like, I'm just here. I want to contribute. I want to learn. I know I don't know what I don't know. <laughs> like, I don't want to mess things up either. And then, like, that's a very helpful thing for someone to have and to know. And then Steve, again, was, like, very selfless and willing to just be, like, wanting to teach, wanting to help give me opportunity and things like that. So on both sides of that, just to point that out for listeners, you know, again, just go into it with, at the end of the day, that's selfless on both sides. Like, Mm -hmm. I'm here to contribute and learn and you know, not be overly arrogant or falsely confident. And then Steve was also, again, very selfless and was like, hey, let's get Mark some opportunities. Let's, you know, let me explain some things to him when needed, et cetera. So there's not always going to be this dynamic of someone with less experience and more experience. But I would just say, if you just begin to have a selfless mindset that wants to contribute, whether you're contributing by your attitude and you're willing to work or whether you're contributing by maybe some knowledge you have that you can pass on. Um, that just like, just goes such a long way. I mean, that's just going to be a, a constant, I think undercurrent to this con- conversation, no matter what is don't be selfish, show up to contribute, be a little bit selfless. And when two people, for example, or even like multiple guys are all selfless, I think at the end of the day, everyone's going to reap something out of that so it's not selfless in the sense Mm -hmm. that you actually never get anything it's selfless in the sense that hey together if we approach this in a selfless way we're probably going to have a not only a lot more success but a lot more fun a lot more experience gain a lot more from this whole process than if we all try to come into this and just like quote unquote try to get ours for example Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I know I want to give Steve a chance to say something, but you made me think of this, Mark. So if I go back in time far enough, let's say, you know, before we had inReach or Zolio devices and things like this, I, I've been participating now for uh, several decades with with two guys uh, that we, you know, generally wind up uh, in a location during the uh, rifle season for elk. And most of the time, what would happen over the years is we would, you know, this was a little different, let's say, than let's say like a mobile backpack hunt, you know, where you're, you're just moving and covering ground and super light and moving, finding the animals and all that. It was like, we, we were camping at a spot that was just a great spot to camp. And generally speaking, the hunting, um, was quite superb near the camp. And so that that routine became very solidified. Well, we would usually just hunt uh, by ourselves. You know, uh, uh, where are you going today? You know, I think I'm going to go this way or that way. And and so, you know, you do some number of miles, almost like 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 a clover leaf or something, you know, depending on, you know, what the, what the circumstances were. But in, invariably what would happen, and the, the reason I said this was a rifle hunt um, and we didn't have any other communication devices is because, so one of us would shoot something, you know, and so uh, you would shoot a bull and then, you know, the, the work that begins, you know, there's obviously some massive appreciation and reverence uh, towards, the, you know, the gift of the animal and all of that. But eventually, you know, you've got to get out the uh, knife and other things and get to work. And so that's kind of what would happen. And almost, I think, invariably, every time one one or both the other guys 
showed up because they heard the shot and they're like, eh, you know, um, that's what we're out here to do that we've got a harvest let's manage that together and so forth so on then nobody was ever selfish about well you know i heard the shot but i ignored it because i wanted to hunt in this direction and i i think that just it gives me this this fantastic feeling of you know again these couple people that i you know know and love and trust and can depend upon and want to you know want to be that for them but uh, uh yeah that i guess I've said enough about that. It's it's really a great example of what you were describing. Mm-hmm. Hmm. But I stole I stole yeah. your thunder, Steve. So sorry. Yeah, no worries <laughs> at all. <laughs> I think the uh, certainly you know said it earlier. Communication goes a long way. If you're you need if you, I'm assuming you've got you know if you're out there hunting together, you've already talked and you've got common goals. Like if if one guy's you know, just there to kill anything that's legal that steps in front of his, you know, gun or bow. And the other guy is like only trophy hunting. Then then you're kind of on two different pages. You're going to have two different hunting styles. That's probably not a very good mesh. Um, the, the kind of on a different aspect of it, the, the first thing that jumped into my mind was same desire it's something that's important for me is having someone have the the same desire to do whatever it takes to be successful uh, from a physical effort standpoint, which, you know, Mark's a great example of that. My buddy, my buddy Tyler's a great example of that, where I have a a story. We were elk hunting. He drove all the way out from Oregon, you know, 10 hour drive. We're elk hunting together. And he's got to be at work at like 5 a.m. the next day and it's noon and we're like, we're kind of last ditch effort, climb up to this ridge and look, you know, bugle off the backside of this, which is just like 4,000 feet down to a river and a bull answers like 2,000 feet Mm. below us. And there wasn't even one second of hesitation. We knew we had to be back to the truck in three hours and he was like, let's go, you know, and we just, we just took off running down this, this hill or, you know, that's a pretty, pretty rare attitude. Cause you know, even if you had an entire day to be like, all right, we're going to go down there. This is going to suck. Um, but you know, there's a bull talking down there and it, you know, if we had killed something then it had been, he would add and reach message, but he was, you know, willing to dive all the way down this thing. Um, just for that, you know, that slight chance, that 10% chance that we actually call this bull in and kill him. And uh, a great example of just having a, um, an attitude of, I don't, you know, whatever, because it makes hunting a lot more fun if you're with somebody and, you know, they're just constantly complaining about, you know, it being hard. Then uh, it just puts a whole damper on everything. Mm-hmm. So along those same lines, I am a extremely firm believer in, confidence kills and along having confidence and a positive attitude that those two things can truly change the shape of a hunt and and what happens during that hunt you're you know if you're just always you know even when things are bad you know mark and i have this saying of uh oh gosh now i'm drawing a blank mark um doesn't suck to be here, right? Like, what do we say? Yeah. Um, doesn't suck, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Basically, just like, even when it sucks, we're looking at each other like, this doesn't suck. Like, we could yeah. be, uh, 
you know, we could be sitting at the desk answering emails right now, but no, we're up here in the mountains and who cares if it's 10 degrees with a foot of snow and the elk hunting's hard. Like we're out here, we're appreciating nature, we're hunting together. Like this is, you know, if you can actually just remove yourself from like what's going on between your ears at that moment of the, if, you know, are you extremely cold, are you fatigued, things like that, just kind of, kind of detach yourself from that and look around and go, man, how lucky are we? Um, Mm -hmm. so I think it's incredibly important to keep that attitude throughout the entire hunt, just be really positive. And then having that confidence, you're always, you never, you know, I, I, Mark can probably attest to this. I'm, I'm overly, uh, optimistic and confident, um, that any, any moment, anytime, you know, uh, we're going to kill something like, Oh, next hour, Mark, we're going to have an elk killed. Um, and truth is like. I'm right more than wrong because <laughs> it's, it's not because you have like, this could happen any moment. You're, you're, you're aware, right. You're, you're paying attention to every little thing versus if you kind of like, Oh man, I don't know. There's just, you know, we got two days left and the elk hunting has been slow. We're not going to see anything. Um, then you're just kind of hanging your head down low, kicking rocks. You don't put in that extra, 10% of effort. Um, God, I can talk about that too. The, yeah. uh, I, you know, f- probably 15 years ago, I was a successful hunter, but I was, you know, it took me like the entire elk season to kill an elk. Um, I had to work really, really hard for it. And there's these guys uh, around me that I was friends with in the hunting industry that were just extremely successful. And I kind of made it a goal. Like I need to get to that level, you know, like a, Mark, like a Russ Meyer. Right. Mm -hmm. And I just started asking a lot of questions and then I was very open to, Hey, can I, can I come hunt with you? Can I come tag along? You know, and I, and I really paid attention to what some of these guys do. And it's like, on one hand, it's like, they're doing the exact same thing I'm doing. Like what, you know, what, what's the difference here? Um, and it's, it's the details, these subtle little details that, that matter you know just just being more aware capitalizing on every opportunity um the mark i always forget um the quote uh walk you know walk twice as slow think twice as much right yeah yeah hike hike half as fast and see twice as much something i'll I'll pull it up yeah essentially just like i've um from dave kessner a good, good buddy of ours up in alaska um, we had him on a podcast and really talked a lot about mental preparedness and, and just mental, the mental aspect of backcountry hunting. And that was one of the ones that stood out to me the most was just really slowing down and just paying attention to everything, right. And using your eyes, using your ears, using your nose. Uh, and you know, that ties to, if you can be doing that and you have a good hunting partner that can do that at the same time man, that's a very lethal combination. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think you're talk about confidence, Steve, because we've talked about that a lot. I don't know that I've put it in these words or heard, heard you put it in these words, but even thinking about it as you were just talking, like essentially it's the confidence is the, it's the expectation that this will happen. Like, mm. I mean, that's, that's what I've seen in you and what I've learned from you over the years is like, you just flat out expect that this is going to happen. We're going to kill an elk. We're going to kill a bear. We're going to kill a deer. And 
it's whereas like for me um historically being like more self-taught and i'm just more analytical by nature it's like i would go into it with more questions of like should we do this or that should you know is it going to work out or what are these conditions like you go through all the what ifs and you think through those things like you're analytical to an extent but not so much that you're overanalyzing and you're just expecting and as you said like when you're expecting this to happen like truly expecting this to happen you're alert at a totally different level you're looking things for things totally differently like because you're not just going hey i'm looking for an elk or i need to find an elk like you're expecting to see an elk and when you're expecting to see an elk you're you're looking differently than just having the mindset of hey i want to go try to find an elk right <laughs> i know that may mm-hmm. sound really weird but i i really think mm-hmm. that's a huge huge difference of i'm gonna go find an elk i'm expecting to see an elk therefore i'm gonna find it versus like i hope i can go find an elk i think the the mindset's really important but i also think how that mindset translates to what you do is radically different mm-hmm. yeah i'm i'm listening to these things and i'm thinking well my mind's going to a graphic possibly and you know like a lot of the things that were considerations oh you know conditioning gear some level of um you know knowledge or experience yeah those things pile up and it's almost a given it's like okay we got to have we got to have some amount of that uh to be successful when we get out there but then we get to this big you know you know pinnacle or apex where it's it's this thing this mindset that you guys are describing and i think it's true across a lot of life and certainly across sport but especially in hunting it's like okay we've got we've got to have some humility and we've got to be open-minded and just be information processors and uh, i got these two terms you know you're switched on and you're into it and 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 i think that's the the focus that you guys were were describing there that seems to you know relate to better outcomes and success and also these um you know these memories and experiences i have a i had a thought about a like another story that um that that i was going to tell and i i think i want to actually give you guys a chance to tell your stories because they're more going to be more interesting possibly than mine but uh it, like an elk calling scenario i i can't think of how many times uh okay you know you how whatever your setup is and what you're doing and you know you're not sure if something came in silent or not but over time you know i just started to like you know again you know absorb and believe and try to get more patient and many more times as that uh, you know started to uh, those experiences started to accumulate or got uh you maybe got a little bit more proficient i was like hey okay there is an elk there and and i i, I couldn't hear him or see him or smell him but i just sort of sensed it and it doesn't mean that i got an arrow into him or anybody else did but again i i think there's your odds keep going up when like you said you just you really don't let up with um this attention to the task at hand so we've talked a lot about these personality characteristics and what you expect of each other or yourself and 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 those are those are great but i think if if you guys 
wanted to share and you may have differing opinions i think that would be great if it, if that came out you know what's been your most memorable or what you considered like best or most successful trip together i'm curious to hear you go steve <laughs> i don't know man um for some reason kodiak stands out to me the first trip to kodiak yeah uh that one jumps out to me caribou hunt jumps out to me we've had what year it was a three years in a row we we both uh, mark came out here for our rifle elk tag and we killed two bulls in a span of 24 hours packed them all out mm-hmm. um we've had so many great hunts i think yeah. kodiak was the one that stood out to me the most because it was both for you and i was um both brand new country brand a brand new adventure uh, i think there's that kodiak's unique and john you can speak to this of when you're in grizzly bear brown bear country that's certainly like you talk about amping up the awareness perspective mm-hmm. um, you are you're on edge that entire time and we just we didn't know what to expect but man we had a blast and we were um i mean kodiak's fairly uh you know um, there's a plentiful game so it's not super hard to fill your tags but we were had a really successful hunt and just were challenged in a lot of ways on that first trip from the the terrain the weather um you know again being in that's first trip to kodiak being in brown bear country and um that was just a that one stands out to me a lot uh, just from that whole you talk about a great challenging hunt being you know mark and i were together but we also had another buddy mike uh and then the lodge that we stayed at these these people that worked for this uh, it's called foxtail lodge up there they uh became family after that trip um, so that jumps out to me as one of the more memorable ones that that we've had together yeah yeah this, uh, there's yeah my head could go to quite a few for sure um some awesome hunts i've definitely one in addition to kodiak would be uh gosh Steve, what was that 2020 air rifle elk hunt kind of the beginning of that streak that we had um Mm -hmm. but just i mean country that was new to me again that's always more memorable for whatever reason i enjoy going back to places for sure but i there's nothing like soaking in something completely new and just being present in it and figuring it out and um yeah there's so many details to that of you know, we had some early success and then ended up filling Steve's tag like within 24 hours, like I said. So just between the success, but then, you know, the pack out in particular on my bowl was just pretty tough. So just a lot of work, uh, you know, success. Tyler came and joined us on that one. We still had a ton of fun. So, you know, it's it's those for me, like if you look at a hunt and you can pair success with hard work with fun you know and you have these memories not just of this hunt this animal which are so special but you know compared to like say a solo hunt then you have the memories with people right and i think that's one thing with me with talking about hunting partnerships and again like it goes beyond hey are we effective together like do we hunt well together do we communicate well together can we fill more tags together than we could separately like all that's fine and great but 
it's again, going back to mindset, it's like, can we go make some memories? Can we have some laughs? Can we still hunt really hard? Can we, you know, stick through it when it's difficult and the conditions are rough? And then now when you do that, you not only have the animal, but you have just like all these experiences and stories and memories. And I I don't know, like, I, I mean, even I think on this year's spring bear hunt, it was just the most recent hunt that Steve and I did together, but you know, packing out after what really wasn't great hunting, uh, but we ended up filling the tag and that's its own lesson. And again, expectations, but just even that one, it's most recent and it's like hiking out heavy packs, filled tag, doing it together. Like, it's just like, there's nothing, there's nothing I'd rather do, you know, from a like pure enjoyment, like hobby perspective of like, this is just the coolest thing ever being wild country, pursuing animals, dealing with tough conditions, hunting hard physically, eventually finding success and then sharing that with, you know, someone you can call a friend and enjoy it all that with. Like it just, I, I don't know it gets better than that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mark and I specifically seek out, you know, what we kind of call like high adventure hunts where, you know, we know it's going to be hard going in, but the, that reward of getting in there, experiencing it, being successful and coming out is so much higher than, you know, than the easier hunts. And, and not that the easy hunts are great. I mean, we did, uh, what was that elk 27, no 18 when, our, our buddies yeah. uh, born and raised outdoors came out and we, we elk hunted for a week and stayed out of trailers and you know just mm-hmm. hunted hard all day long went back at the camp listening to music and drinking whiskey every night and that was a, a great trip as well but I, I certainly i prefer to do more of the hey let's uh we've never been 15 miles back into this basin let's go check that out you know or um we certainly seek those out and because because they're just so much more memorable experiences. Um, yeah. Were, uh, well, I'll do one more, <laughs> a bunch of Tyler stories, our buddy Tyler on you, Mark killed this bull. And um, just talking about this being an absolutely selfless hunting partner, Mark killed a bull and he's coming in to meet us to hunt with us the next day. And uh, well, I think we were seven miles, John, from the truck and mm-hmm. uh 2000 feet down another 2000 feet up the other side and we messaged tyler hey killed a bull mark killed a bull we're gonna you know grab you know what we can pack it out tonight we'll meet you at the camp and uh you know don't worry don't worry about like trying to meet us you know we're way back here and uh next thing we know we're cutting up the elk and get a message on my way I'm like what the hell does that mean mark <laughs> uh, <laughs> next message uh i get i look at that i go pull up like you know a couple hours later i pull up the thing and he's like almost there and i'm like oh he must be talking about getting to camp and i pull up the map and he's down at the river down below us two thousand feet um wow. like he just completely parked on the side of the road with the shortest line he could to get to us um, and got all the way in there you know and, and helped us we decided to try to one trip that bull out now that we had a third person so that yeah. type of if you can find those type of people that are uh, to to be your hunting partners you know just super lucky um and then uh going back earlier john we kind of skipped over it as far as what like what i feel like my role as a hunting partner so if, you know if mark's got the tag um first like it's it's my job to help him be successful 
and whatever that is. And so that each hunt dictates what I'm going to be doing. Um, sometimes it's, if we're still hunting, you know, I kind of, I'll hang back and, and uh, just, you know, kind of walk a little bit slower and use my eyes and try to maybe, you know, pick things out that, you know, sometimes you're in the lead, you're more pathfinding. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I find it beneficial to be in the back, you know, 10, 15, 20 yards behind Mark. And I'm just using my eyes. Um, and then I do, you know, just try to be helpful. So, and then you talk through these things, like if we're, um, you know, Mark, how many times have we done this where it's like, okay, hey, if we get on something quick, I'll range it, right? Especially if we're bow hunting mm-hmm. and we're moving through stuff like I'll range, you just knock your arrow and, and I'll tell you the range. Um, so just being, it's a good example of just being useful to your hunting partner. Um, and then, yeah, most of all, just, just have that positive attitude. So if you're, super important to recognize if who you're with is, is getting down and getting upset. Like I said, I, I personally know how important it is to just stay positive. So crack a joke, make them laugh, make them realize that, you know, like we talked about how lucky we are to be here and kind of get them out of that, that funk that they may be in for a minute, uh, I think is a, a super important um, aspect of it. So just trying to be a, a positive influence on that person. And so, like I said, talk, talk to them. What's your expectations? You know, what, what are you after? Um, I think just, uh, yeah, all, all good things. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's funny that like the, the little stuff, Steve, it, we've definitely done that a lot where it's like, Hey, if this happens or if this scenario, you know, I'll range you do this, you know, whatever. Um, again, just thinking of like stuff that we do on autopilot now that mm-hmm. maybe people would look over, but even like another silly example, Again, just very recent on, on a spring bear hunt, John, we were, we were closing the distance on this bear and a uh, real steep, loose hillside. And uh, it was in the bottom. So I was going to be shooting down and it was just like, you know, where's the right spot? It's between trees and all this stuff. And we, we get to a spot where I wanted to set up and I go to take my pack off and my rifle strapped to my pack. And so, you know, Steve knows, Hey, Mark's going to be a second. He's getting his pack off. He has to take the rifle off, et cetera. Instead of just standing there or whatever, like Steve's on the hillside, kicking out a spot to make a little flat spot for me to kind of try to start to sit in. Right. So just Mm -hmm. little stuff Mm -hmm. like that. Again, I never even thought intentionally of that, but it's just like when you're in a scenario, it's like, what can you do to be helpful? Like very practically, Steve kicking out a little flat spot to help me get started to get set up while I was getting my rifle off and pack. Like may seem like nothing, but those seconds could have mattered tremendously, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's just all the little things. Like if you're, especially when you're not the primary shooter, going back to what you said, Steve, like your role is to help that shooter be successful in whatever way that looks like. And if you have any sort of like small thought or small action you can take, like just don't overlook that. Just do it Um, because your job is to be there, to contribute, to be helpful. Again, as Steve, you said, like with mindset and everything else, but just practically, like what can I do to make him more effective or to make this easier or smoother or save him time or whatever? Well, I... I've been just tossing some things around as you guys were speaking and, you know, back uh, almost like a topic ago, you know, you were talking about the intense satisfaction or or, uh, gratification 
uh, from extreme effort, extreme shared effort. And, you know, that, and I, I, I think that was a great message that you both uh, offered up, but now this, this uh, kind of like excitement about opportunity, it's like, Oh man. Uh, yeah. Like we're, we're into this. This is what's going to happen. And the other person automatically goes to well, what's going to make this scenario uh, most effective or successful. And it's, it's not even thinking about being selfless. It's just actually, this is what we need to do in the moment. I, you know, I heard you talking about, uh, you know, making like an improvised field rest. And I was out last year on an antelope hunt with my friend Garrett and same thing happened. You know, it was, it was windy and he's throwing his pack off and, and, and building a rest. And, uh, and I was just like, wow, that's awesome. And it, yeah. And, and I think I'm always inspired like, oh, how, what can I do, you know, along those lines when I'm in those, those roles as well. And I think that's something unique about uh, this backcountry hunting experience that you guys have uh done extremely well in describing because I, I knew starting out that, no, oh, this is kind of a, you know, I don't want to say touchy feely thing, but it's, it's, um, it, it goes beyond just talking about, well, how do you load your backpack or, you know, what lunge variation is optimal for your gym work. Uh, and I think we've, we've both talked about those things plenty. Um, so, uh, how about misery? <laughs> you know, that's a Stephen <laughs> King movie. Um, well, um, I, I've actually, I've been inspired by the death hikes that you guys have done and talked about on your podcasts quite a bit. And, uh, you know, I know this year, well, I think, you know, both you guys, it's probably fair to say that you're tough mountain badasses, but, um, uh, you know, I knew the one this year, you know, it was, uh, I'll, 30 some miles, multiple peaks, trying to do it around 24 hours. If, if I have that incorrect, let me know. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, and then Mark had said, well, you know, that just knee's been bugging me a little bit. I think it's probably wise to make the decision to hold off. Um, and so, you know, I'd reached out, we talked, Mark and I talked a little bit. It's like, okay, well, uh, there might be some things you can do to tune up. And so he's working on that using sound judgment there, by the way, you know, and, in, and Steve, you're like, well, uh, oh man, I did it. And, uh, uh, my IT bands were bugging me a little bit and you know, maybe my back, you know, and, and I thought about like, yeah, well, maybe we should talk about that. But then I thought, well, anybody that, uh, you know, kicks ass for 25 hours, uh, their IT bands are probably going to feel it a little bit. So I didn't say anything because <laughs> <laughs> I know if I had, you know, it, it, I, I, I'd like to do some things close to that, but I don't, I think if I'd tried that, I would have been an early bailout. Um, but nonetheless, uh, um, talking about misery, it, maybe that's not the best word, you know, maybe just say some challenge or a little bit of suffering. Uh, are there any um, snippets about that, that you guys might want to share that could be useful for this discussion? I just, uh, go ahead, Mark. Yeah, so one thing that comes to mind is as much as we've talked about like just being intentional and practical and like what can you do and how can you help and you know how can you help someone keep a positive mindset like all that's so true and at the same time I would just say that literally just being present and sharing the misery with no words said with perhaps no encouragement for a portion of the time or anything else like that alone is is like a strength and a bond um so I, I 
I almost, as much as we've talked about being strategic and practical and, and having, you know, help share and create a good mindset and all that, like that's guess, but I would just say being present with someone in misery, whether one guy's struggling more or not, or you're both just struggling, like just sharing that for whatever reason uh, creates some level of strength. And again, like some level of bond. Um, I mean, going back to one of the death hikes, we did the hundred mile death hike and Steve, you and I did the last, we, we actually really didn't hike much. I don't really remember hiking much at all together of that hundred miles really, yeah, except yeah. for the last four to five. And I was at a spot where I could finish. I knew I was going to finish, but um, I was hurting at that point. And, you know, Steve, I don't remember you like coming and give me an attaboy and saying we got this or anything, but we <laughs> literally just finished together. And mm-hmm. again, not like just doing it with someone versus being on my own was helpful. But again, just the bond of like just sharing that suffering together. Um, and I think, you know, what's a little bit different about Steve and I is like, even in work stuff, right? Like, because we're working together for EXO and there's, you know, been hard times there and we've gone through that together. I just, I don't know. And I think there is something unique to men in particular that that's, that's how friendships and that's how bonds are formed. Like Steve and I have had great laughs and sat around and whatever, but you know, for us getting together and suffering is way more beneficial than getting together and drinking tea or something. I don't know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I think there's all, there's, um, there's no shortcut to some of this stuff. It takes uh, intentional effort, time, experience to get to certain places. Um, so it's not like, you know, you can't to develop a bond with a hunting partner that you, where you share misery. Cause at this point, my first answer was like, Mark and I, I mean, if it's absolutely just brutal, we're just going to make laughing about it. Um, mm-hmm. like, it's like, and in the middle of a, you know, 3000 foot climb with a hundred pounds on our back, we're going to find a way to find the humor in it and, and yeah. know that like, you know, Hey, in a few hours, we're going to be, we're, we've got, if, if it's miserable right now, it's because we've been successful. Uh, we got a heavy weight on our <laughs> back and we're going to be back at camp and whether it's, uh, you know, the truck camp where there's a, uh, you know, we always have, um, some whiskey and you know way to make like elkhart fajitas or something like that mm-hmm. um we know like I, I, that being in that state of misery is a short-term thing and you know that you know just through i, I said that I, there's no answer on how to get to this point other than you just got to go do this stuff um so as much as someone wants to listen and and you know to all these different podcasts and glean all this information at the end of the day they, they might speed up the learning curve, but you still just got to go out there and do it. You're not going to be, you know, uh, you know, at that kind of, at a high level on your, on your first hunt. Um, so there's no shortcuts here, mm-hmm. but truly just, we've been through so many hard, hard times together that when we get out there, it's just like, yeah, it's just part of the process and can laugh because we know that the more it sucks, the more we're going to be able to like, you know, laugh about it later right like and 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 reflect back and enjoy the good memory so i at this point i I truly don't care like how far or how miserable a pack out would be um because i know i'll survive it i know it'll be an awesome experience and typically the harder the better so it's really um it's fun to get to that point where you know like mark and i we can just go elk hunting 
it's not like, oh no, we're getting kind of far away from the truck now. You know, mm-hmm. obviously there's a, a, a separate consideration of heat and meat spoilage, which obviously you've got to be as a hunter, you gotta be mindful and aware of that. But if the conditions are right, it's just kind of like, yeah, whatever, let's, let's go. There's, it's this completely freeing experience to have camp on your back and just go wherever the heck the mountain and the animals lead you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And knowing that there's going to be a high level of a potential high level of misery to get back out of there. But I just, yeah, who cares? Cause it just adds to the experience. Mm-hmm. Uh, what say you Mark? Yeah. I mean, I, when I hear all that with Steve, again, it, it goes back to, for me, that only comes because uh, like say that was like Steve and I, or, you know, we've talked about our buddy Tyler. Like if I look at that potential of like, how far can we go or what can we do or should we turn around or is it smart to drop in there and chase that bull? It's like, if I'm with Steve or with Tyler, or you know, a couple other guys, like, yeah, let's do it. Let's go. But again, that only comes because we've built a level of trust and, proven to each other like we're capable and we're willing um and so i just think as you like one thing to keep in mind with with hunting partners is as you develop that as you build trust and experience not only are you more capable because hopefully you communicate better and hopefully you understand each other better and all that but i just think that trust aspect and looking back at what we have done together and realizing what we can then do um that just man that opens up new doors for sure um of what of what's possible or even you know if it's not crazy crazy physical but again just going back to like expectation and confidence like hey if i'm with this guy like we can get it done we can get after it we can do what it takes even if the weather's not cooperating or even if we're not seeing animals like we'll turn one up um going back to all that expectation and confidence that that again just builds over time when you're with someone where you have some history of of laying that foundation and once you have a strong foundation man you can just you can do a lot mhm mhm yeah i'm hearing you talk about okay, there's this whole competency thing, you know, you, you have to have that. And then there's the the confidence and never in any of this, have you said anything about being reckless? You know, you're always being, you know, judge, uh, judging things well and, and being calculating, but, um, you know, not giving up. And it kind of makes me go into like this uh, sports psychology uh, thinking uh, that you hear so much about the difference between convergent thinking and divergent thinking and most uh, most of the champion athletes like hunters who've been studied um they are masters of convergent thinking and so as the situation starts to become um very present and focused and you know things are getting important convergent thinkers can you know slow down time and narrow their vision and they don't hear or see anything but let's say you know the arrow hitting the spot or you know all, all those other examples you know throwing the touchdown pass sinking the basket and 
and I think that's I've seen that in uh, you know those people like the few that like you guys you know that like yeah man they're they're gonna test me, but uh, but I'm gonna probably do the same to them and we're both gonna respond we're gonna we're gonna have some laughs and you know sometimes you can say hey is that all you got and you know you laugh about it and you say no I think I have some more and and that's there's there's such a an appreciation uh, for for doing that whereas you know a divergent thinker they start to worry and they start to get too far ahead and they're thinking like, Oh, well, you know, if uh, this might happen, if, you know, if I take the shot or this, you know, there, here's the, there's a grouse over there. And I think that the grouse might fly and spook the, you know, so I, and most of the time those people don't succeed in the quest, <laughs> but, um, but yeah, you, you nailed that so beautifully. In fact, I guess in, in getting close to wrapping up this show, um, I, I definitely would love to give each of you the opportunity to just say, you know, maybe like a few summary comments on the topic of today and offer up any like minor lesson or advice or major one that you feel is appropriate. As you were saying all that, John, it, it made me think of a phrase uh, I heard from actually a guy we had on the podcast years ago uh, that was a, a, a Navy SEAL and it wasn't in our show, it was in something else, but this topic, this idea came up when we were chatting for our podcast. And he basically said, like somebody asked him at one point, what's the most important lesson you learned or like your biggest takeaway from your time as a SEAL? And he had years of experience, you know, as a commander and all, all kinds of stuff. And his simple answer was courage is contagious. Like that's the one thing he took away from all of his time being a SEAL. And, uh, you know, I don't want to make any parallels to being a Navy SEAL and hunting, but what I'll just say is like confidence and capability is contagious. Like if, if you're with someone who's confident, capable, and willing, like that's contagious. And if you can provide that to each other, again, we've talked about it, like that just creates new opportunities. So that's one thought that comes to mind. Yeah. I mean, for me, again, summary, like all all of the capabilities are important shooting and physical and hiking and all that. But again, like you just can't escape matching mindsets, um, matching goals, like what you're looking for out of the experience. And at the end of the day, if you, if you can find someone like a potential hunting partner who is capable, uh, selfless and just enjoyable to be around, like, man, don't pass that up, <laughs> you know, like, and even talking about selfless, like a lot of guys throw that around, but man, when it's true, it's true. Like when you're willing to go into a hunt and just say, I don't care who pulls the trigger, or who fills the tag or, you know, whatever, like success is a team effort. Success is our success. Um, when that, when that's truly the case, man, there's something special there. I can even think of like practical examples, Steve, one time, we were on this rifle elk hunt, John, and uh, there was this bull that, again, it was just a, a tough shot, like a tricky situation. We're on this really steep, loose slope, and we had, you know, we had talked earlier, like, hey, who wants to shoot first, or who wants to shoot what, and vice versa, and on this bull, it was like, <laughs> Steve and I, I don't remember the words that were said, but we were basically just like, I think he told me to shoot it, and I was like, man, this is a tricky setup, like, why don't you try and get set up too? And if you're comfortable, like if you get a comfortable, confident shot opportunity, like take it. I don't care. Right. Mm -hmm. And it was truly like, 
two guys hunting together, both trying to get it set up on this tricky shot. And it was truly like, hey, whoever's ready, take the bull. And there was zero, zero, like it doesn't matter who shoots this right now. Um, again, partially because of going back to our confidence, like we knew the other guy still had another tag and we had more days to hunt. So it's like, mm-hmm. it doesn't matter who shoots this bull because we're in it together. And not only are we going to pack this bull out, we're going to keep hunting hard for the next guy. Mm-hmm. Um, and when that, you know, when you have that, it's just pretty dang, it's pretty dang cool. Yeah. In life as well. If you're building a shed, the same thing applies. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Uh, yeah, I think Steve. for me, it's just so important to identify what you want in something, uh, something that, you know, earlier on in life, you just kind of going with going with the flow or not really, you know, I don't know, just not really forward thinking. Right. Um, and so what, you know, what do you want this hunting season to look like? What do you want a hunting partner to look like? And then go out and make that happen. Um, find find that you know that that right person to hunt with it's you know become a lifelong friend like those two guys you mentioned right um and so just just think through that don't i think it's really you can dictate the outcome by your thought processes going into things uh the, the mind is incredibly powerful and so just being and I, I you know identifying what you want and then go out and make it happen and and um, if, if you're listening to this podcast and the topic is finding the right hunting partner, then you know, go out and make that happen. Find, find somebody who's going to be a good fit for you and, and, uh, go have, uh, go get up in the mountains and make some lifelong memories and great experiences. And man, I just, yeah, I feel incredibly blessed to be where I'm at with the, the, the circle of friends that I have. And, um, yeah, it's been, uh, we've just had so many great memories and looking forward to many more to come. And go, just again, going like on a practical as we talk about finding a hunting partner is don't wait till hunting season, right? Like, it's, you know, Steve talked about earlier, like get a beer and have the conversation, like understand their expectations, but even on the capabilities and physical side and how does someone respond to like pressure, difficult conditions, like go do a hike, go do a backpacking trip, go purposely like see if this guy is up to do something that sounds stupid or miserable or do it when the conditions are bad or maybe it's the dead of winter and you throw out this idea and you just want to see like what's this guy going to do when it's cold and miserable or early or what have you so you know there is a going back to building trust and and confidence and capability like you can figure that out at least some of it usually pretty quickly and you can also do that before you commit to doing a you know week-long backpack hunt with somebody like do that type of stuff in the off season and um, yeah, I just think there's a lot that can be done so that you don't get into a hunt and realize, oh, this, this quote unquote partnership is actually kind of a train wreck. Absolutely. Well, I guess in, in making a few closing remarks, I would say, first of all, um, Steve and Mark, I thank you guys so much for coming on and sharing really what were some extremely profound insights. Uh, and, you know, it's been, it's been a real pleasure and an honor to get to know you guys over, you know, some recent times and certainly look forward to engaging more. And I think what you were able to bring out was that, you know, this, this brotherhood in, in your case, of course, in sisterhood where it applies, you know, of, of backcountry hunting and being a mountain athlete or whatever term we want to use. We, 
we blend uh, these challenges and, you know, sometimes a quest for survival, but ultimately success, success, again, as we wanted to find it, that's the game uh, that, you know, we all uh, should be pursuing in whatever that is we're doing in life. But particularly when I think of the backcountry hunter as, uh, you know, history's original athlete, um, it, it, some of the things you said were so meaningful and, you know, these things, uh, they, these experiences shape and enrich us and, uh, they're very primal. And so this, this thing that we're talking about, and I, I've got some notes that I'm looking at, it, you know, is it a passion, a pastime? Is it a sport? Is it your calling? It's really a community. And and that's, um, you know, the feeling that I got, you know, just listening to the bond that you guys have. And then also some of the um, perspectives that we share, you know, uh, the three of us, and also probably many, many people in our collective audiences. So I can't thank you uh, again enough and uh, really appreciate you guys. Yeah, thank Thanks you. Thanks for having us on, John. Yeah. Oh, you bet. Mm-hmm.